Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey everybody, good morning, good morning, and uh, welcome everyone to uh, Coastal Community Church. As Scott said, I am Pastor Chris, and uh, thank you. Thank you for being here uh, in person. Uh, Thank you for tuning in and joining us online, staying engaged there. Uh, Glad to have you guys tuning in today. As he said, we are in week four of this series on the fruit of the Spirit, and today we're looking at the fruit of what? Anybody know? It's on your outline. Come on. Patience. Patience. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. You should have this memorized by now, right? Uh, in fact, let's, uh, let's impress our guests today with your, your great reading ability. Let's read this out loud together. Here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces. Man, that's terrible. Come on, guys. Read it out loud with me. Here we go. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here's what I want you to do for me this morning. Go ahead, look inside your program, your bulletin, pull out today's uh, sermon outline, the message outline, and there at the top underneath uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, there's a quick little uh, self-evaluation a little patience evaluation that I want you to take with me today. Now, you'll notice on the left-hand side, you have a zero, a big zero, which means that you are, you are very, very, very impatient. In fact, already you're like, Pastor Chris, hurry up, come on, come on, come on, you know, uh, get on with it. You are a very, very impatient person. And then on the right-hand side, you've got a number 10. And the number 10 means that you are very, very patient very patient person. So if today's message goes a little bit long or a lot long, you really don't care, right? Because you're very, very patient. So I want you to rate yourself. Go ahead and do that right now. Zero to ten. Zero being impatient. Ten being very patient. Don't overthink it either. Just kind of like, you know, maybe the first number, you know, that comes to mind, put it down. Now here's what I want you to do next. So if you're here with somebody, You're here with a friend, with your spouse. I want you to show them the number that you gave yourself and ask them if that's true about you, okay? Go ahead and do that right now. Just show the person next to you the number that you gave yourself, if you came with somebody, okay? Now that we got that done, here's what we're going to do. I want to take a little survey, a little survey. How many of you rated yourself, you would rate yourself a five or less, a five or less? Raise your hand. Okay, wow, very good. Now, so you, everybody, you got to understand something. So if today, after church, if you go out to lunch with these people, okay, you know, they're not going to want to go somewhere where they got to wait in line, you know, anything like that, right? So now, raise your hand if you gave yourself a 6 through 10. should pretty much be everybody else, right? 6 through 10. Now, raise your hand if you think that the person next to you lied and they really need... <laughs> And they really needed to be in church today, okay? Very good. Now, patience, patience. Uh, Of all the fruit of the Spirit, um, I bet this is the one that most people would say that they need to work on the most. So what is it? What is patience? Well, other translations uh, will use the word forbearance uh, or long-suffering. And uh, that's really the idea here. It's about being 
long-tempered. You know, the, the ability to be inconvenienced or even taken advantage of, and yet you don't blow up, fly off the handle, respond in kind. It's about not having a, a short fuse. So if I had to come up with a, a working definition of patience for the believer, I would say patience is a calm endurance based on the certainty that God is in control. Okay, let me repeat that. If you're taking notes, write that down. Patience is, is a calm endurance based on the certainty that God is in control. Now, if you remember, when we kicked off this series on the fruit of the Spirit, um, we talked about love, right? We went to that classic passage on love, 1 Corinthians 13. Now, do you remember how that passage starts? Love is what? Patient. You know what that means? It means that it is unloving to be impatient. So when you are patient with your children, you're loving. When you're patient with your spouse, you're loving. When I'm impatient, I'm unloving. And so Coastal, if we are going to love the community in which God has placed us, if we're going to love the world around us, guess what that means? That means that we've got to learn to be patient. We have to be a patient people. Now why? Why is you know, patience so vital to relationships? And that's really the context in which I want you to think about this. I mean, why of all the things that God could have started with, you know, here in 1 Corinthians 13 where he says, okay, you know, here's some rules for you know, great relationships. I want to define what true love looks like. And he starts with patience. Well, I can think of um, a couple of reasons, many, but two that I want to highlight today. Uh, number one, because everybody's different. Everybody's different. Now, on a quick side note, how many of you thought I was going to say, because everybody is crazy, right? I mean, and, and you know, everybody is messed up. We're all whack jobs. I mean, I could have I started there. For, for, I mean, that's the truth. We are all messed up, right? We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And as a result, we are also in need of enormous amounts of patience with each other. Okay? But, we're also very different from each other. We are. Ephesians uh, 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. In other words, everyone. You are an original piece of art from God, our Creator. Now, if you are a parent with more than one child, you've already discovered that, right? You know, isn't it amazing how different your children are from each other? Same family, same home, same environment, same context, and yet, man, they're all different. We're original. Now to demonstrate this or to prove it today, I've got a couple of just quick illustrations for you. Uh, look at this picture really quick uh, on the screen. Um, how many of you would say, you know, this is the old illustration, how many of you would say this glass is half full? Half full people, right? Half empty, and half empty, that's your first thing you thought, right? Raise your hand, half empty. The fact is, you know, we all have different perceptions, don't we? We all have different perspectives. And that's why you could take five people at the scene of an accident and they all see something different. They all have a different perspective. Let me give you another uh, little illustration here. I'm going to show you a, a report card, okay? A report card. So think back to the time when you were in school, and I know some of you right now are having a mild panic attack, okay? Just the thought that you're in school. But here's an imaginary report card, um, and get this, with five A's and one B. Okay, look at it. English A, Algebra A, History A, Physics A, Biology B, and PE A. 
Now, I want you to think back to when you were, you know, you know back when you were in school, okay, the dark ages, and um, if this had been your report card, how would you have felt? So I'm going to give you five options, and uh, I want you to raise your hand at your most likely response, okay? Response number one, I'd feel good knowing that my parents felt good too. Raise your hand. Okay, there's a few of you there. Um, response number two, my parents would want to know why I made a B in biology. Okay, there's a few of you out there. N response number three, I would expect a big reward from my parents if I ever brought home this type of report card. Okay? Number four, I'd feel sad because I hadn't gotten straight A's. Any of you like that? That was my wife, Janet. She's messed up, okay? <laughs> that she, we talked about this last night. She made one B in high school, one B in college, and she still remembers it, and it still bothers her, so she's just messed up. Anyway, so now... For the rest of us, response number five, first I'd call a press conference and then I'd make sure my life was in order because Jesus is coming back if I ever made this great of a report card. Okay, now, the reality is though, we are all different. We are. We see things differently. We have different perspectives. And because of that, number two, our differences create misunderstandings. Our differences create misunderstandings. We just can't figure each other out. You know, we, we don't know where other people are coming from. You know, if, uh, it, it's when you, you look at your spouse or your coworker and you're thinking to yourself, what planet are you from, right? Most of you have probably looked at somebody in the last 24 hours and thought that, right? In fact, look at this next verse, 1 Corinthians 2.11. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? I mean, you might say, man, that's exactly what I've been saying. You know, nobody can understand my wife. Nobody can understand my boss. How many of you have used phrases like these maybe in the last week or so? I don't understand why he acts that way. She, you know, she doesn't understand me. He's on a different wavelength. She doesn't make any sense. How can you think that way? Why do I have to tell you 25 times before you do it? Why, you know, why do you get so emotional? Were you switched at birth because you cannot be my child? Um, can you relate to any of those? Some of you said all of those with the same person, didn't you? Um, but because of our differences, sometimes we have, you know, misunderstandings. In fact, look at this next verse, 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. Be patient with who? Everyone. You say, whoa, that's impossible. You know, I, I can't do it. How can I be patient with everyone? Well, one of the reasons we're impatient with other people because of these differences, then we make these wrong assumptions, okay? We jump to assumptions, and, and uh, there's four that I want to go over that we kind of often make, okay? Number one, the false assumption that our words mean the same thing to everyone. That our words, what you say, the words that come out of your mouth, mean the same thing to everybody. They don't. You can use a word, and somebody else can use that same word, and it means something totally different. Did you know that the 500 most used words in the English language have 14,000 different definitions? And so when you say something, and you expect other people to understand it, you might be out of luck. I mean, here in Charleston, we say we're going shagging, we're going out to Folly Beach and dancing. In the UK, it means something totally different. <laughs> right? Second misconception, that there's only one right way to see things. 
That's just not true. I mean, in your more logical moments, you know that that's not true. That there's, you know, only one right way to see something. The third assumption is that, that gets us into trouble is that my way is the right way. You know, in other words, you know, there wouldn't be any problem if you just get on my wavelength. You know, my side of the argument is clear. Your side is illogical and confusing. You know, my side, uh, you know, is logical. Yours is irrational. You know, mine is justified. Yours is unwarranted. The fourth assumption is that I can figure out your motives. I can figure out your motives. Listen, I can't figure out my own motives half the time, let alone yours. You know, I, I don't understand all the time, you know, why I do what I do, let alone why you do what you do. In fact, uh, I've quoted this verse many times, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I mean, sometimes people spend an enormous amount of time trying to figure out the why of, you know, why they do what they do. Listen, I, I don't know. In fact, the message paraphrase of that verse says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. And yet the Bible says we are to be patient with everyone. Now notice that's a command. You know, he doesn't say, you know, I suggest you be patient. He says, do it. Be patient with everyone. So how? How in the world can you do that? You know, one of the points that we've been making throughout this entire series on the fruit of the Spirit is that the fruit is both a gift and a command. It's a gift, but the gift has got to be appropriated. You know, all of these nine Christ-like character qualities, and that's what it is. It's really a picture of Jesus, but they all come to us as believers as a result of God's grace but they do begin to grow in our lives as a result of some of the choices that we make. In other words, you're not a robot. You know, you, you and I have to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So today I want to give you four ways to do that. Four simple ways, steps, that you could take, uh, we could all take to be a little bit more patient. Okay? Number one, remember how patient God is with me. That's the starting point. Remember how patient God is with me. Listen, you will never have to be um, more patient with anybody else than God already has been or will be with you. 1 Timothy 1.16 says, But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. So here's the Apostle Paul, and he's saying, listen, if God can save somebody like me, if God can be patient with me, a murderer, God can save anybody. I am an example of God's great patience. You know, so the next time you want to say to someone, you know, will you ever grow up? You know, why do you take so long? Why can't you get your life into gear? You know, why isn't your life growing and maturing? Listen, remember how often God wants to say that to you. I don't know about you, but I, for one, am very, very glad that God is patient with me. I want a patient God. I need a patient God. I don't want a God that rates himself like, you know, a one or a two on the uh, impatient scale. Because I'm always going to push his buttons. I'm always going to take longer than perhaps is ideal. So I need a patient God. 
How about you? Romans 15, 7, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Notice the motive there. He says, I'm to accept other people. The, the reason I'm to accept other people is because Jesus has accepted me. The reason I am to be patient with other people is because God is so very, very patient with me. So that's the starting point. Remember how patient God is with us. Number two, learn by listening. Learn by listening. Proverbs 19.11 A person's wisdom yields patience. And then Proverbs 14.29 Whoever is patient has great understanding. You see, those go together. Wisdom and understanding. And patience. The Bible says the more wisdom you have, the more understanding you'll be. The more you understand that person, the more you're going to be patient with them. If you don't try to understand them, there's no way you're ever going to be patient with them. In other words, when, when I understand that the people who are hurting me are in fact themselves hurting, and I try to understand why they're hurting, it just helps me to be more patient with them. You see, behind anger typically is hurt and pain. And so if I could just look behind that anger and see their hurt, then it allows me to be more patient with them. You see, instead of always trying to put other people in their place, why not try to put yourself in their place? So how can I do that? How can I be more understanding with the people in my life, you know, where, where we all live, work, parent, and play. How can you be more patient with those folks? Well, learn to listen. You know, not just hearing them, but actually listening to them. Look at this next verse, Proverbs 18, 13, from the message. It says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Man, we ought to just put that up somewhere, shouldn't we? You know, on a regular basis, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Can't be any more clear than that. But how do we typically respond to frustrations at work, you know, in the church, in ho at home, with our family or friends? We typically walk away from the problem, and then we'll just shout as we're walking away, I need more patience. You know, God, will you please give me patience with these people? And by the very act of walking away and refusing to talk and listen, we keep from happening the very thing we say we want. And as a result, the Bible tells us, you know what we're being? stupid and rude you know the other issue is we, 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 we we've got to stop judging what you're hearing or thinking about how you're going to respond before you've actually heard it all but but isn't that exactly what we do we typically look at conversations like like a chess match right instead of really listening and paying attention what are we doing we're busy thinking ahead like point counterpoint we're already like five moves ahead we know where this thing is going and we are going to what win so how would you rate yourself as a listener if that was the scale zero to ten uh, let me give you a little uh little assignment this week little little fun project next time you know maybe your your family could be your co-workers too they're all kind of gathered together but you know, you're trying to say something and nobody's really listening. I'm sure you've had moments like that. Everybody's on their what? Everybody's on their phone, right? So they're all on their phone just to prove that nobody's listening. Just start, you know, have a little fun and just say some things completely off the wall. 
okay? Just say stuff like, hey, there's an alligator out on our front porch, okay? Just, just say, it. hey, um, I don't have COVID, but I tested positive for Ebola. And, 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 you know, or, you know, uh, you know, hey, did you hear that grandma ran off with her Uber driver? Hey, did you see that dad started an OnlyFans page? I mean, you just start saying some things off the, I mean, hey, guess what? I, I think I won the lottery. Nine times out of ten, I bet everybody else around, they'll just grunt. Or if you're lucky, they'll say, uh-huh, that's nice. Why? Because nobody's listening. We're not. You know, research has shown that only 7% of the meaning of what you actually say with your words is communicated in those words. 7%. 43% of the meaning comes from how you say it. Vocal tone, pitch, volume. 7% contained in the words. 43% how you say it. The remaining 50% is communicated in nonverbal language. Facial expressions, hand gestures, body language, stuff like that. That's why when you're on the phone, truthfully, you're only like 50% uh, you know, effective in communicating. 50%. Because you can't see how the other person is communicating through their body. And, and get this, texting, therefore, is only about 7% effective in true communication. Now, what does that mean? It means that your eyes are as important as to listening as your ears. You know, students, have you ever had your parents have to say to you, put down your phone and look at me when we talk? You know, truthfully, probably most of us have had someone say that to us. Why? Because your eyes and your face are just as important as your ears. So learn to listen. Number three, we got to make allowances for each other. Make allowances for each other. The Bible says, Ephesians 4, 2, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Everybody has bad days. Would you agree with that? I mean, all of us, we're all flaky from time to time. You know, we're all in need. We all have those moments where we need just a little bit of extra grace could be depending on the time of the day the time of the week and yes even the time of the month and in fact my wife janet knows that i have at least two extra grace times that i need every week saturday night and sunday afternoon she knows that you know just you know we've been married for a long time i've been a pastor for a long time she knows she needs to make allowances for me on saturday night and sunday afternoon because i get what i call pms Okay, PMS, I do every week. It stands for pre-message syndrome and post-message syndrome, okay? I just need a little bit of extra grace. But my point is, guess what? We all have bad days, and we all need grace. It's just a fact of life. And the Bible teaches that if you're a follower of Jesus, we've got to learn because of our love for one another to make allowances for each other. Number four. Treat others the way you want to be treated. 
Treat others the way you want to be treated. I, I know that's nothing new, right? I mean, that's the, that's the golden rule, right? Matthew 7, 12, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. That single verse right there could save most relationships, save most marriages. It's so, so simple, but it's so difficult to put into practice. I mean, we know this. It is nothing new, but it's hard to actually do it. Uh, Philippians 2, 4 and 5 says, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Your you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What's he saying? He's saying pay attention to the needs of other people. You know, really look and listen and try to discover what the people in your life, what they're interested in, what their needs are. Let me ask you a question. Could you name right now the top, you know, four or five uh, interests or needs currently, current, of every member of your family? The people that you work with? You know, so, sometimes we get so preoccupied and wrapped up in our own selves, in our own interests, in our own world, that we forget about the people around us. And yet, the Bible says that we are to pay attention to the needs of the people around us first. That that's the way of Jesus. Now let me ask, is it easy or natural to do any of these things? You know, to, to think of things from other people's viewpoint, to pay attention to the needs of others, to listen. No, it's not. It's not natural. It's not normal. It doesn't come to us naturally. That's why it does take God's help. You know, that, that's the real secret of patience because it's not natural for you and I to be patient with the people in our lives. It takes, it takes God's supernatural power. And so this work, this week, where you live, work, parent, and play, guess what? you're going to meet some real jerks. You are. And God says we're to be patient with everybody. How do you do that? By having the attitude of Jesus. How do you do that? Only with Jesus in your life. Can you treat people the way he did? You know, it goes back to what we've been talking about all through this series, that the more and more we abide in Christ, the more fruit we produce. That's the secret of patience. It's, you know, it's not a mistake that in Galatians 5, patience is listed here as one of the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you know, when you become a follower of Jesus and God comes into your life, one of the things that He supernaturally begins to develop in our lives is this thing called patience. But again, listen, this is so important. The fruit is always a gift but the gift does have to be appropriated. The fruit is a result of God's grace and His love, but the fruit grows in our lives as a result of the choices that we make. And so this week, I want to challenge you to make the choice to be patient. In Colossians 3, we're actually told to put on patience, clothe yourself with patience. That's a choice. You know, for, um, for many of you, the number one act of patience that God has been showing you, the number one act of patience that God has been showing you is that He has been patient with you, waiting on you to give your life to Jesus. Some of you have been putting that off for a long time. And I want to encourage you today, don't put it off any longer. Give your life to Jesus. 
that Romans 2.4 says it this way, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Why? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And then in 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10, it says it this way. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. Now, what in the world is he talking about there? You know what he's talking about? He's talking about his promise to come back again. He's talking about his promise to return, Jesus' second coming. And then he says, no, he is being what? What does it say? He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be, to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Coastal, hear me loud and clear. The main reason it says here that Jesus did not return last night, the main reason that he did not return or call you home is because he is waiting on you to come home to him. He's waiting, he's patiently waiting for people to repent. And it might just be you. Now, I don't know how long that's going to be, but the Bible does say this, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. He is coming again. And he is going to call you home. But to this very moment, he has been patient and kind with you. But he's been doing that for a reason, to draw you to himself. I don't know how much longer he's going to be patient with you. Why not respond today? You know, what about you? Are you ready to give your life to jesus it's called becoming a christian becoming a follower of jesus it's you know in other words if you want the fruit of the spirit in your life if you want you know forgiveness from all your past and and the fruit that your life has produced if you want a home in heaven with god that's going to last forever and ever and for all eternity it starts with turning away from your sin and turning toward jesus and our God has been patiently waiting for you to make that decision. I hope you'll do it today. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I do thank you and praise you that you are a, a patient, patient God. Lord, I pray that um, we become a little bit more like you. You know, as, as followers of Jesus, as people who have the, the gift of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, God, I pray that we become a little bit more like Jesus in this way, especially today, a little more patient with the people in our lives and the people of this world. And Father, I also know that there are people in this room, there are people who are watching who have been testing your patience. Listen, come home. You don't know. You don't know when. Jesus is either coming again or he is going to call you home and you breathe your last breath. Come home to him. Pour your heart out to him right now in a prayer. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you that you have been so gracious and kind and patient with me.
I have, uh, I've, I've turned my back on you. I've lived my own way. And today I turn my back on all of that and I turn toward you. I turn toward Jesus in faith. I do believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross for me and my sin. He paid the penalty of my sin. I believe as much as I know how and understand that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And now, God, I just ask him to be my Savior and to be my Lord. And until the day when you call me home or come again, I just want to follow Jesus. And I want to grow in the fruit. I want to become more and more like you see me now. Forgiven. Brand new. Your child forever. We love you, Father. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.